Welcome to CIO Leadership Live UK. I'm Lee Rennick, Executive Director, CIO Communities for CIO, and I'm very happy to welcome Jonathan Valentine, CTO of Thinko. Jonathan, please introduce yourself, and could you tell us a little bit about your current role? Hi everyone, I'm Johnny Valentine. I am the CIO and co-founder at Thinko. We are a um, connected car data company focusing on the uh, motor insurance sector using driving data to save lives and help you get cheaper car insurance. It's a very interesting business model that you have and I'm really looking forward to talking about it. And I really appreciate you joining us here today, Jonathan. We've created this series to support the senior technology leaders in their tech and leadership journey. So the first question, and I ask everyone this question, can you please tell us a little bit about your own career path and provide some insights or tips on that road path? Are there any lessons learned? Yeah, so my background's a bit of a weird one. I got involved at company computing at a very young age. I started designing and building websites from the age of 10, 11, commercially from the age of 13, all because I saw some man rip off my mum when he tried to sell, sell her a website for a business. Unfortunately, spending your teenage years at a computer um, made me hate the industry. I never, I didn't choose it for GCSE. I didn't choose it for A levels. I wanted nothing to do with it. But like a boomerang, um, you end up just coming back to what you're good at and what you actually are passionate about. And I think I just got a bit burnt out. I went to university like everyone does with no qualifications, purely off my portfolio, but left after a year for an opportunity to go work for this new insurance company that was coming soon where they needed a coming soon page for um, telematics motor insurance. No one had, I had no idea what it was. So I went to go meet these bunch of mavericks and um, took a, a punt and left university to go become the uh, head of web development for Insure the Box, which went on to sell a million um, insurance policies in the UK uh, be, be, uh, before being bought by MSN AD. Um, and that was a as a 19 year old, that was a crazy way to learn about IT technology leadership. When you're watching these four leaders of insurance build a company from scratch, um, spending millions and millions building this company from nothing to 400 people in a call center, multi offices in Gibraltar, London, Newcastle. And I was extremely fortunate to sit on the fringes uh, of that and watch and just absorb it all and learn. And that's, that's how I really got into all this was I was just fascinated and you cut my now and I, my blood is telematics and insurance and technology. Um, I think myself as a techie, but I'm probably more of an insurance person who's just good at tech rather than the other way around. That's really interesting background. And I know when we spoke, you, you said you started at a very young age and, you know, a lot of people get really motivated at young ages around like computer games and software and learning and all of that stuff. And it seems, it seems like it really, you know, you brought your career together that way, but as you said, really involved in the insurance sector. So that really segues very well into our next question, which is around cross-sector learning. So a lot of the CIOs I speak with talk about the opportunity to build skills and learn skills working across sectors. Yeah, as mentioned, you started your career in tech at a very young age, and you really diversified your knowledge through working in various sectors. Um, so I was wondering if you could provide some insights on this in relation to how cross-sector learning supported, you know, you building knowledge in your technology role. So at Insurdebox, my role is quite unique in the fact that I reported directly to the CEO. Um, and my job at the, as head of innovation was purely to look at what was going on across a business and try and see how we could use technology to solve a problem. And it didn't have to be AI. It didn't have to be something fancy. It was just, how could we automate something that was a problem? An example of that was we were in the pub one night um, 
actual box we had uh, we went to the pub if it was a good day things went well and if it was a bad day we went to the pub to fix it so some days we went twice a day um <laughs> and so we were in there and they had a problem with the call center and the fact that the the call wait time was too long we were we, we were getting very very successful but the call centers couldn't keep up that call volume and i said why don't we do live chat and it was 11 o'clock at night uh, we were in what we called the director's corner garden and that was up we went to and Mike said, do it. And so at 11 o'clock at night, I went back to the office and we implemented live chat. We uh, we used live person solution. There's no point building things from scratch when there is a solution out there ready-made you can plug in. And the next morning, the people in the operations call center got an email saying, right, we're here, you're logging details of a live person. We're going to start taking live chats. Uh, we've added it to the website. We saw a massive drop off on call volume. We saw agents able to handle five people instead of um, one phone call. And it was that kind of being involved and listening in what problem a, a department had that was able to solve it. And just some out of the box, not out of the box, but thinking about it from a non-BAU perspective, someone who was a techie. And I think that's the way I, I like to get involved in every department and understand what they're doing. Because if you have worked in an industry or have done a job for 20, 30 years, you'll think that's the only way you can do it. When actually, if you just think it's slightly different, thing, oh, you can now automate Google Sheets. We can do that part of your job. But some people get quite protective because they do a job for eight hours a day and some idiot, well, some young, and I'm not going to swear, comes along and says, we can automate that part of your job. They're going to they're gonna be a front of that. No, this is my job. I do. But actually, we need to go, no, well, let's automate the bit you don't like. And let me, you can spend more time on a bit that we need you for, which is your brain, which is your intelligence, your human aspect. And so that's all I did. I, and suddenly that gives you the ability to understand operations and understand the back end of how things work and whether it be on claims and fine. And it gave me a real understanding of how all the departments work, but also how to approach people in terms of, if you tell someone you're going to automate their job, they automatically think, right, you're getting rid of me. But no, you want to automate all of the stuff as much as possible so that the humans can do the human work um and that's why i think that being involved in, and getting involved at low looking at tickets looking at all that kind of stuff gives you that ability to understand what's going on on, on the on the floor so you can help right and so and in your case i mean when we had chatted you've worked in various sectors so really like you've been really in tune with what's happening with the customer journey and experience and i and i really wanted to talk about that i'm just around customer-centered technology so, you know, a lot of the, I was sitting at a round table, I tell this story a lot, uh, we were talking about cloud and cloud implementation. And one of the CIOs was there saying, you know, and, and the customer journey. So those two together. And one CIO was sitting there saying, you know, the thing is, is that customers now expect the Amazon experience, which is like, I order and the next day I get what I need, right? So you and I talked about that and we discussed the ways you approach innovation for the customer journey. Um, and really how um, you're really building customer center technology to ensure that the customer is the most important part of your business. So could you talk a little bit about the ways you do that in your technology leadership role? I think the end user um, is the most important person for us because if you think your car insurance is something you le you legally have to have and we so you've been told to install this device as part of your insurance policy and you want to prove that you're the best possible driver to get cheaper car insurance. And you might get frustrated because it's not representing you, maybe the fact that the speed limit's run on the road and um, so it penalized you. 
And so you've had to tell the insurance company that that speed limit is wrong. It used to be a 14 now, obviously I wouldn't speed in because you want cheaper car insurance. You want to prove you're a good driver. And, and so my view is that if someone's an issue or we, I go, we go see, I go see a customer or I'll drop, I'll randomly choose a customer that did a ticket and we'll go see them. We'll talk to them and you learn so much um, because they're on it. I've had people that um, some really unhappy customers, um, whether it's for something really random, maybe the app couldn't download from the app store for that version and the phone, really angry. And if someone didn't call them, we don't, we don't want to go see them. You go see them and suddenly you actually have a conversation with them, understand their point of view, understand. And actually you learn a lot and they become testers for your product. So my biggest endorsers are people that actually had unhappy experiences we spoke to them, we've understood, and then suddenly they, they're testing out new features for us. They're coming up with ideas. They're texting me on Saturday night at 10 p.m. with an idea they've had. And suddenly we're now in a position where you can turn that negativity into, into a positive part for your business. We review tickets all the time because we don't, even though they're not our customers, they're the insurance company's customers, I want that the brand to be represented as well as possible for the insurance company. So we look at what people are talking about, what's a, and then we, we we reflect on that. We go, right, what can we do to improve that? And so it's always that cycle of learning what the customer wants, what's their issue, the fact that there's something, right, there's a white screen sometimes when that person logs into the app, let's look at it. Whereas the fact that speed limits, speed limits is the one that really um, uh, resonates with me because it's not fair for someone to be threatened to have their insurance cancelled because they did a um, something naughty on the road when actually it wasn't their fault at all that the, the data was in, invalid. And when we're working with third parties, you need to, so for me, it's right, holding our third parties to account and going, look, this customer's had a really bad experience. They've been told by their insurance company they're going to get cancelled if they drive at this speed again on this road. But the road allows, the speed limit is incorrect. You still haven't updated it. That This customer is going to, that's going to be financially impacting them for years. And so I think for us, because we're, we can have such a big impact on someone's financial life in terms of that will cost them more in the future. Our suppliers have to realize as well that we're customer centric and it almost drags them into that journey as well because they need to be. But I think when you're talking about that, and I know we didn't talk about this question, but it really it says to me that you as a service provider, tech, tech aspect of uh, the, your customer, the insurance companies, is that you're really ensuring that what they're producing, how they're you know approaching their business with their customers will be really successful. So it must be extremely valuable the work that you're doing with the insurance companies at such a granular level for them because I know many large companies are looking at focus groups and you know user testing and all that stuff and in a way you're you're working with the clients directly on the ground to talk about ways in which to improve that user and user experience. So I think that's that's phenomenal. I mean it must be extremely rewarding. I don't yeah so we start off as B2B um, and you say yeah. B2B do with customers, you're dealing with businesses and you're a service provider. I heard a term the other day on Twitter and I really like it. It was a, it was a, a vertical SaaS. And I quite like that because it's our device, it's our hardware, it's our firmware. We, and we do everything all the way through to the white labeled apps that are used by the customers are provided by us. So it's almost like we provide an entire solution out of the box and I like that and I wouldn't want to do it any other way because we tried doing B2B at first without talking to the customer and the insurers do a really, some of our, the, the the job wasn't done properly, the data wasn't used properly, which means that it's a bad experience for the insurance company, it's a bad experience for the, the end user who is the person who's got this device in the car, they've got the app and they're the ones who are either going to get cheaper or more expensive car insurance. So that's where we just decision, look, let's bring it in house, let's do everything on behalf of that. The insurer gets a better experience 
And I can feel more comfortable at night knowing the data has been used properly. Um, because if the data is not being used properly, then it's just a very expensive paperweight. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It must be very, like I said, very rewarding. All right. So now we're, <laughs> you are talking about data and I wanted to talk a little bit more about innovation. So, I mean, obviously since last November, uh, the world has transformed a little bit technologically with Gen AI and large language models, you know, so prevalent in discussions right now around innovation and data and cloud and everything. So could you share your views on Gen AI and LLMs and perhaps some of the ways you're looking to deploy or, or what you're seeing in market? Oh, it's going to, see, it's going to change everything. We'll, we'll ignore insurance for a second and we'll focus on it. I think, obviously, there's a whole talk about, oh, then ChatGPT's got dumber and all these things on Twitter and people like that. Overall, it's amazing. And I bought the API access for the business as soon as we could because we could start. We've got a lot of data. You think an insurance policy normally is just like one row on an Excel spreadsheet. We capture 9,000 bits of data a second. Everyone, the average person does 21-minute trips three times a day. That adds up to a lot of data. We've got, and obviously, trying to turn that into value there's a there's a lot of value that can be generated out of data without the need for machine learning or models. And I think sometimes people can jump to using AI when actually there's a lot more value that can be got out of something with some intelligent thinking and some common sense. But it does have its place. And where the, now the plugins, for example, that you can plug into TripAdvisor or you can last minute, oh, and you can suddenly have it plan a trip for you. And it's absolutely incredible. Insurance is a difficult one, though, because it's a regulated market. And if you're saying, right, Lee, your, your insurance premium is £1,000 and mine is £2,000, we should have the right to understand why why that premium is that. And no one wants to hear that because a black box said that and this is some algorithm that we can't understand because it is not, said that you, yours is 1000 and mine is 2000 because that's not fair on individuals. Because So insurance has got a difficult thing to play. It, should, it can be really helpful for, let's say, um, counter fraud or claims or, or things where you're trying to find patterns. But I think one area that does is that we need to make sure that we don't use this to um, penalize individuals. Because what will happen if you think people who pay for their car insurance monthly are deemed to be a higher risk than people who pay for their car insurance annually. But people who pay for their car insurance monthly tend to be less well off than people who pay annually. Same as people who go to the, do food shopping five times a week are a higher risk than people who go food shopping once a week. Well, suddenly a model is going to look at that and it's going to penalize those people, but suddenly all we're doing is penalizing the less well off and we've created a model. So regula regulation is going to be really interesting in this sector. And I know there's quite a few people who are looking at, looking at it. Um, in short, at UK have got quite a few members in that space, but I'm really excited to see where it goes, but there just needs to be some, I think, regulation around the, the financial aspects of it, where it's impacting people's premiums and their financial activity. Personally, though, we love it, I think. And then we, we've got, for example, we're now scanning news articles across the entire web um, and running to work out, right, have there been any car accidents? What type of vehicles were involved? Where did it occur? And looking at our database, see if we had any people nearby at that point in time. So, and there are quite a few other bits I can't mention we're doing with it, but... It's, it's going to change the way we work, but I don't think it's going to get rid of engineers. I don't think it's going to get rid of dev developers or anything like that. It's just going to make our life easier. You look at Git, GitHub Copilot, prime example of that. It's just helping developers do their job more efficiently, like I spoke yeah. about earlier. Automating yeah. the rubbish so humans can do human stuff. And, you know, as you're saying this, and this was our last question, but, you know, I just think that it, when you talked about uh, Thinko being a vertical SaaS, 
I'm sure, you know, when you're primarily focused on insurance, right? But I think Gen AI, Gen AI, Gen AI and LLMs will probably maybe transform how, which, you know, companies you work with and which sectors you work in, right? As a business. Yeah, I think it's going to have a massive impact on what we can do and the date and start you looking at the data. So now we're absorbing data from third party sources we would never absorb data from before. Yeah. And we're able to run it through models we wouldn't have used before. It's making it, it's going to help us become more intelligent in what we do because uh, humans can only go so, go so far. Models can only get you so far. But now these, these new models will allow us to do a lot more. But it's very early days. We are not experts. We are pure just admirers and users. Um, and we're only just scratching the surface, but I'm excited to see what more is given to us. That's awesome. Well, that's a great way to end this interview. Thank you so much, very much, Jonathan, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it.